Greetings, Quester, and welcome to the Meddlesome Meeples. Grab an ale, sheathe your axe, and join us fireside. Here's your host, Matt Williams, with Richard and Heather. So welcome to this episode, episode 8, of the Meddlesome Meeples. Oh, you're still counting. Yeah, still counting. And I am still Matt. I'm still Richard. I'm still Heather. So, <laughs> this is a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard, we're doing something a little bit different with our games this week. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, we are going to talk about Mansions of Madness. And we ended up talking about it for quite a while. Um, mostly because once we start talking about Cthulhu, we can't stop. Yeah, we, we do get like an <laughs> insane need to talk about Cthulhu sometimes, don't we? We're going to talk about another one as well, but... Um, we just really like Mansions of Madness, so yeah. we've talked about that for ages. The thing is, we were actually going to do a Lovecraftian special on our gaming section mm-hmm. this week, where we talked about Mansions of Madness and then another Lovecraftian game, Cthulhu mm. Realms, which is like a, a Cthulhu version of Star Realms. Yes. But instead, we just spoke about Mansions of Madness for that long and thought, you know what? Because we, we spoke about the it's game, the game. Um, mm. for a while, and then we sort of looked at a comparison of it with Descent, and we looked at... Because uh, they're both app-driven games and then we looked at it from some of the criticisms that are levied against Mansion of Madness and I spoke about why that grinded my gears and mm. why uh, those those criticisms were unfounded it's so ages ago Matt wrote notes about it yeah um, um, and then he had to interpret them for this because it's yeah. <laughs> so long ago that he wrote it back when um, he first came up with his theories about why Manchester of Madness is something people should buy. And I felt it was so strongly about it, I wrote it down. You've mm-hmm. played a lot more games though since then, so I bet you've got like new reasons. Well, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. looked at it. Well, we, we haven't it. played Descent with the app until mm. until recently, had we? So. No. Yeah, we have some more insights lately. So we'll be looking at uh, Manchester of Madness later. And... We'll also I'll be with Heather again. Heather is back for this episode. Yeah, I'll be in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> She's healed from her operation I've to milked an extent. It as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's had enough time off. I'm not signing those pay paychecks for nothing anymore. Mm. Of course, neither of these two get paid. But you don't no get paid that. either. No, I don't get paid. Oh. I'm doing this for the love. I get you. <laughs> this, get a, this, this should yeah, be risk money in time. <laughs> yeah, but you had to bring that coke yourself, didn't you? <laughs> you really did. Yeah. His contributions are worth more than a, a bottle of coke. I will oh, say right, this. Richard, worth more than a bottle of coke. Priceless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> At least that's why you don't pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a meme waiting to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Richard's going to be talking about uh, a science fiction book this week as well. Oh, yeah. By Ray uh, Bradbury. Yeah, Ray Bradbury, uh, Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, and we'll be doing a a Tiny Meeple's Big Talk that will dwarf them all. It will dwarf them and Star Wars them. It will dwarf them and Star Wars them. (laughs) Okay. So that's that's what we're going to be looking at this this week. Um, What have you guys been up to? Uh, Enjoying the sunshine. I mean, this is England. We don't get it very much, no. and yeah, it's been amazing. I have been out, been outside a lot this week, which doesn't happen a lot for me. Yeah, we've been to we've we've been to barbecues and things like that in the heat, haven't yeah. we? With with Liz and Ben, and we've had some good fun with that. Make the most of it. Yeah, Ryan came up the other week, so we got to play some games. Yeah, but that was just you guys. Yeah. We we invited you, but you were busy. Aww. Oh yeah, I was on time. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> so offended. I'd been here one day, hadn't I? And then yeah. Ryan came, Ryan like decided to come up the next day. Yeah. If I hadn't been up 
that that one day. I mean, mm. I would have been able to change it around, but. Yeah, so you got to play more Mansions of Madness, didn't you? Yeah. And not that we're obsessed, but we also played Mansions of Madness this week as well. So. Yeah, and we're yes. probably going to play it later, you know? Yeah. Yay! So <laughs> it's no surprise to anybody that's tuning in that we like that game. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole podcast is going to just turn into Mansions of Madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> episode for yeah, Podcasts of Madness. We'll call it. <laughs> yeah, could turn into that. And there's no meeples in that, is there? It's miniatures. No, it's miniatures. Oh, <laughs> no. The meeples yeah. have been absorbed. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, meeples. We'll have to add meeples to it and see how, yeah. how it works out. The monster meeples. Yeah, the, the meeples cute. gone insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cute. Very cute mansions. for mansions. They, yeah, they just is, die. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we've been doing that. Um, I've had uh, my second books out this week, published on the twenty third. Oh yeah, my second anthology. I've got mm. a third one that should be coming out soon. That one's actually a uh, non-fiction book on teaching. Oh, okay. Right. Teaching and assessment. Nice. So very exciting. I'm sure everyone's going to be thrilled by that prospect. If you're interested in, if you're not interested in uh, a career in teaching, it really, really is going to be a paperweight. Tiny meeples, big teaching. Big teaching. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and obviously we've also been preparing for the UK Gaming Expo, haven't we? Yes. Um, we are going to that. Yep. <laughs> well, I well, say we. we're going to that, yeah. <laughs> along with Ryan and Simon, and we'll hopefully be bringing you some special recordings and uh, podcast segments from uh, the expo. I'm looking forward to playing the games. Yeah, we've, we've taken yeah. some games to play with us, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be picking up new games to play while we're there. Um, I think Ryan's bringing Rune Wars Second Edition, okay. and bringing. Um, the five, five tribes, uh, Cthulhu Wars, just and... to keep some Lovecraft in there. Twilight Imperium. Yes. Twilight Imperium Take is going to be played. <laughs> Which I have never played. Yes, you haven't, so it's going to be an induction into the, the mm. Twilight fan club. We'll be able to do a quest report on that. Yeah. Aww, on the biggest game it. in the world. Oh, the oh, best no, game. My gonna... number one game. <laughs> I've never clear what you're in about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But you can watch the segments we record there. Oh yay! <laughs> <laughs> Can I? <laughs> Thank you, darling. <laughs> It'll be like like you're there, except you know, surrounded by kids. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I'm going to be in trouble. Really yeah. <laughs> I think you are in trouble. Generally, after filming, I assume you're in trouble. No, yeah. <laughs> Surprising how much trouble I get into over this show. <laughs> So, yeah, we've been doing that. Um, that's what we've been doing. So we'll hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Check back in with you later. Lock your doors, bar your windows, and get a spare change of pants at the ready. It's time for something scary now. So on this segment of the Quest Report, we're going to be talking about one of my personal favourite games, and we'll say that from the start. Mm-hmm. That's Mansions of, Mansions of Madness, the second edition by Fantasy Flight Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is a Lovecraftian horror game. That's why we have to talk about That's it. Why we, yeah, we haven't spoken about Lovecraft for a while, so we thought we'd do a special Lovecraftian double this week, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. And um, in Mansions of Madness, players take on the roles of investigators, don't they? Mm-hmm. And this is actually a really interesting horror game because it's not just ho- traditional horror, it's science fiction horror. Yeah, it is. Because Lovecraft in itself is 
science fiction in the sense of these beings from alien worlds mm. and other dimensions. And it's in the public domain as well. It's in the it's public so long ago. Yeah, that's why and that's so why many games about so it. Many, so many times. So it's it? a good thing to get into because, like, whatever type of board game you like playing, mm. there'll be a, a Lovecraft version of it. Because <laughs> we were talking about. I don't know if we've done a quest report, report about Pandemic yet. But Pandemic we, Reign of Cthulhu, we did yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, And uh, it's quite interesting here. The app is a big part of the game, and you play investigators that are going into... I mean, there's a couple of adventures where there's a lot outdoors, but typically um, you're going into a building, a, a, a big mansion, mm. and you're there to investigate something. Yeah. And because there's so many different scenarios at the minute which are all driven by the app. There are some with very traditional horror elements to it, and then there are others that are more uh, featuring zombies. There are others that feature uh, investigations where you're going out to uh, find clues and uncover information to work out who maybe is the leader of uh, a cult or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's always... Uh, aspects of finding clues mm. and stuff and there's always some fighting monsters but the ratio can be very different can't yeah. it depending on which scenario you're playing so some of them that we've played and we've i mean i'd say i've played this game probably 15 to 20 times with you uh, no, yeah i've played it the same amount because we normally play it together <laughs> yeah. i think you played it one time with ryan didn't you so yeah, yeah. but other than that we, we usually play this together so mm. we've we've experienced a lot of these different scenarios and mm. multiple times with the same scenarios because some of them we lost and mm. then had to play it again some yeah. we've won and replayed anyway because it, the app will change the locations of things that you've got to find and yeah the identities of people that you've got to uncover and, so, and we just thought we could do better mm. and like, although we sometimes although we win it mm. we think i'd really like to be able to like st- actually stop the buddy rather yeah. than just let him get away with it and then shoot him afterwards yeah. <laughs> which what sometimes happens yeah. yeah sometimes you don't stop them from doing what they're trying to do but you still manage to yeah stop them and personally. by that time they've opened a portal and summoned a big monster so. yeah and as i say some of these um missions you're going to go in as richard says there's going to be monsters everywhere and you're going to be fighting for your life yeah. typically this isn't a game though that is all about fighting monsters is it it's uh, no. a lot of it is you going around you there will be monsters trying to stop you but you are trying to um find out what's going on yeah. you've got a little bit of information going in you've got to expand on that so yeah and when a, <clears throat> when a monster turns up it is a big deal yeah um you do really have to either run away or defeat it <laughs> it can be very easy to be uh, killed or wounded by a monster it or, can be very easy to be driven insane yeah, that's it yeah by a monster that's the most particularly thing. depending on the investigator that you play don't mm, you yeah they all have different they'll have the different stats mm. and one part of it is how much health they have and then how much psychological strength they've got yeah. as well and it would be a different ratio so some of them are really tough mm. but will go insane quite easily yeah. so yeah you have to watch out so a typical round um you have the investigator phase and you have the mythos phase so yep. the investigators get to decide amongst themselves which investigator is going to go first in what order that's a nice amongst themselves. Of it, I think. It, that can be very very useful if you play that right the way we do it we pass the ipad round don't we mm. so whoever's having their go isn't holding the iPad. Yeah. So basically another person becomes the GM at that point yeah. because they're just saying, they're reading out what it says on the pad. Yeah. And it, that's a nice option because we tend to alternate when we have our turns, don't we? Yeah. Like it, it forces went... you to do that because if you're, if, if I'm having a turn first and you've got the iPad, yeah. then you'll GM it for me, you'll give it to me 
and yeah. I'll do it for you and Heather or you and whoever, whoever we're playing with. Mm. And then the next round, I've still got the pad, so someone else will go first. Yeah. You know, and then when it's my turn, I'll pass it to somebody. And, and Yeah, it... that generally happens, but sometimes it's like where one of the characters is, it's really obvious what they mm. need to do next. So, mm. like, you kind of want them to go first. Yeah. And then we can, like, see what happens, and then we can have our turns after that. So... Mm. Basically, whichever's the most urgent, we tend to make yeah. them go first. And that, again, that means that changes. But on a on an investigator phase, whoever's having their turn, they'll have a couple of actions that they can do. So they might move. They might do two moves if they're not wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, they might do a movement and then search somewhere, which is where they'll find a, a, a search token on the board. And they'll tap the map to see what it says. Sometimes yeah. they have to roll a test. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you may have a puzzle to try and solve and the app will generate little puzzles and you've got to move blocks around or decode something. Decoding ones are pretty hard. They are. And there's others where you have to like line up pictures from a fragment. And oh yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, it might be that you'll go somewhere and you'll take an action like exploring and opening a door, going into a new room, seeing what's there. Yep. It might be that you'll be taking pot shots at a monster. Could be. With one of the many implements at your disposal. Yeah. That you'll find during the adventure. And when you go through a door into a new place, um, the app tells you which tile to put down, which mm. you have to find. So you've got no idea where it's going to be. Yeah. So you're kind of building the map as you go, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. So you start off with one tile. Everyone starts on that same tile. And then as you go around the map, the app will build the universe for you, which means that you've got a very fast start time. Because you select on the app which uh, investigation you want to do. You input which investigators you've chosen. We typically deal randomly three investigators to each player, mm-hmm. and then they'll pick one of those three. So it's not as directly choosing, oh, well, I'm going to be this guy, because we've got loads of investigators because of all the expansions. Um, oh, yeah, we have, not we? <laughs> so we will do that, and then it tells you which items you start with, and then it will tell you a bit of, of a starting story, which the app will actually read out to you with some pictures. And then it tells you what tile to put down and start from and what tokens to put on there and then within a couple of minutes you're, you're out of the box and you're starting the game yeah. and that I like because it means not spending ages uh, sorting through stuff beforehand yeah we get to know again how to do it pretty mm. quick don't we each time so you might move you might search you might um, fight uh, you might interact sometimes you get interact tokens don't you with this little blue symbol which will yeah they're like a lever or something yeah <clears> some <throat> sort of device on some it's like a radio you can operate isn't it yeah and all and sorts of little things NPCs as well yeah there's these little tokens that just have a very basic picture mm. of like a person like in profile and like these got put on the board and then the app tells you who they are yeah and you can click on them on the app to talk to them or something you can have conversations and it gives you options as to what you want to say to them or what Mm. you want to do and and sometimes you get uh ones that are specific characters as well and they'll actually have their um their name printed on the backs and they're usually quite crucial to the stories aren't because there's that one where there's a load of people in the mansion and you're having to try and find out which one has been like Plotting in the cult and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that's pro- that's really good because you're like, talking to these characters trying to decide which one is evil <laughs> yeah and uh, you and if you go insane you get if you get too much horror you go insane and you have a hidden objective card which is given to you but you get an insanity card don't yeah. you which a lot of the time will be a hidden objective mm. yeah other times it might be something bizarre like you're not allowed to talk to people for the rest yeah. of the game um it's <laughs> 
you're not allowed to tell people what your yeah. card is, are you? So, yeah, the non-talking one is fun. Like last time we played it, I got that. Yeah. So about halfway through the game, my character went insane, and uh, well, that's how you guys knew that uh, that was a, a card, and I read it and then just put it down. And then have just went. He's not allowed to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of just knew. So other, other times though, someone will get that, and it makes you really suspicious because they might be have a secret objective to win by killing one of the other players. Yeah, uh, which has happened, hasn't it, Richard? Yeah, I've is... still not forgotten that. Oh yes, I sacrificed Matt. Yeah, one time. Yeah, that he, was that was. He did. <laughs> he really did. And that was I... after a really a really long game, <laughs> and I just I, stabbed him. <laughs> I'd like to think I've gotten over it now, but I'm just very suspicious when I'm in that game and anyone goes insane I try and keep yeah. my distance from them a little bit <laughs> but then there was the time that you burnt everything yeah one time I had a card to, I was a pyromaniac and I had to win by a certain fighter so, yeah. much, so many rooms and Eating beautiful flames yes I mm. did feed the beautiful flame <laughs> and, but so there's all, very different components to this and every time you play you're going to get something slightly different mm-hmm. uh, you import your collection into the app and it will draw on different components yeah. so you might get different monsters things will be in different locations mm-hmm. and ultimately this game is so thematic if you like mm. if you like the Lovecraft feel yeah, this game really draws you in and absorbs you into its story yeah it probably is one of the most thematic ones because um it is basically an investigation and then facing monsters, which yeah. a lot of the books are like. Some of the, like the Call of Cthulhu. That's mostly the investigation, mm. isn't it? Um, and then you find out about Cthulhu getting summoned, mm. and it does very much feel like that. I mean, the, the original one that we did, where you are actually in a mansion, and mm. um, that was somebody trying to summon a, a monster, wasn't it? It ended up being a star child mm. by the end, which basically looks like Cthulhu. <laughs> It's basically like a giant like squid head thing, yeah. Um, and that that was scary. I mean, <laughs> and one of the weird things about this is um, the fact that you have to do a horror check mm. if there's a monster there and you're in range of it. Like you can be out of range of it actually hitting you. Range is three spaces away. It is, yeah. which is a long way on the board, isn't it? I mean, the the spaces are quite big. Generally, like a room would be like four spaces, won't it? If it's a, if it's one of the bigger tiles, the yeah, tiles, there'd be like quadrants. Yeah. yeah, and we've have decided that we probably need to use the barricades a bit more, don't mm. we? We don't do that very often because you can barricade a door to yeah. slow a monster. There'll be a little and... tile which is some furniture, mm. and you can use an action to move it in front of the door. Mm. And we had never really worked out really how you do that or anything, but basically you just do it yourself mm. on the tile. And then that just breaks the the range, doesn't it, mm. really? I mean, they would have to go round another way to get you. And also the range wouldn't... Uh, it wouldn't kind of count it through that door anymore. Yeah. Because if you're in within three spaces of one of the monsters at the end of the... Or at the start of the mythos phase, you have to resolve a hover check where... Um, that's at the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, at yeah. the end of that. At the mythos phase. And it can be pretty bad. I mean, you mm. can get... Like two horror cards, and they have Quite to flip easily, them face sometimes up. three, and, yeah. and they might tell you to take more horror cards or all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, basically, the monster just does something horrible in front of you yeah. to try and make you lose your sanity. <laughs> and it is incredibly fun. I mean, I say you've got the investigator phase, and there's the mythos phase, which is mm. where the monsters will move, attack, yeah. do horror checks, things like that, and things might happen to your characters. And it's it's just so much fun. Now, one of the reasons I absolutely love this game, yes, I love Lovecraft. 
but I also love role playing. Mm-hmm. And you can do that because your character's got a little backstory. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, I, I've when I was younger, I used to play a lot of role playing games, mm-hmm. and unfortunately nowadays people jump. No one really wants to be the GM. People, everyone wants to play together because obviously it's more fun typically to play than to GM. Some people love to GM, but yeah. most people prefer to play. So we don't really get to do much in the way of role playing. But this really encapsulates role playing for me in so many ways. Mm. Um, okay, you've not got the same character that you're progressing with story to story because you're just going to get a different one. But it's that absorption and that feel that you get from a, a role playing game which I really enjoy with Yeah, because we kind of take on the different roles while we play it. Not like mm. that we talk to each other like that, but we kind of... It's like if you're that tough groundskeeper guy, like mm. Yorick, is it? William Yorick? Yeah. It's like you, then you'll be going around hitting, hitting the monster with, with a the shovel. Yeah, that, yeah, something like that. <laughs> and if, But if you are like the detective or the psychologist or something, mm. you'll be trying to like help people reduce their horror and things like that and you'll be trying to sort out some of the puzzles because you have more turns at it Mm. because of your higher perception because everyone has certain abilities don't don't they so you've got your health and damage so yeah your health and horror stats which is how much horror you can take how much damage you can take Mm -hmm. but then you've also everybody's got like their um, strength strength, agility agility. observation law willpower um, and influence Mm -hmm. and the number that's on that, which is typically anything it's from between two and two five, and five mm. um, they tell you how many dice that you get to roll. Yeah. And then that can be um, altered by conditions. It can be altered by equipment, things like that. But everyone also, along with that, has a special ability that only they can do. Yeah. And just to, this is a tip. Remember what your ability is. Yeah. I forgot for most of mine. I should have been becoming focused after each monster getting mm. defeated and I just wasn't doing it yeah. So, yeah. you weren't focused enough to... no <laughs> yeah it was yeah. my guy was meant to be focused <laughs> not me <laughs> yeah. so and uh, and typically the ability is very well tied into that character mm-hmm. and their story their profession etc so it kind of makes you want to role play it in that sense anyway Yeah. Uh, just a few thoughts in general about the game one of the uh, as I say this is a game I absolutely love it's not going to be for everybody because of the horror element to it um, but a lot of the investigation ones you could probably play even if you didn't like horror because it's not it's not horror, it's science fiction yeah, set in the 1920s. could play it and keep hiding behind a cushion. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the criticisms that I hear about this game, one of them is will the app be around in 10 years? So will I be investing in this now and then not be able to play this down the line? Mm. Now, I know myself that I've played games on my PC from like the early 90s they're like 20 25 years old sometimes yeah because you can get simulators to play different things i don't think a reason to not get a game is that you might not be able to play it in 10 years time i mean i don't but this this is one of the yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the things that are leveled against it you know how long will people be able to play it for and of course you can get the app for this on smartphones tablets and pc Mm -hmm. and if you can get it on pc that means you're going to be able to be be able to play this 20 30 years down the line if you really wanted well, to well yeah but and by we... then there'll be probably be something else that people will be going well this this is what i want to play now instead of mansions of madness maybe you know um or yeah. they'll have you know gone on to a different game for whatever reason but i do think that that as a criticism is unfair and unnecessary a bit nerdy yeah <laughs> 
Um, the other thing is the replayability. Now, some people have said to me, you know, there's only so many different scenarios. I think there's nine scenarios at the moment, something like that, um, altogether. And, you know, once I've played it once, will I be able to play it again? Well, some of these, we've, we've played the same scenario four times before, <laughs> and five times suck. before. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we've played it because we want to see what what's going to happen differently, and other yeah. times we've played it because we've lost two or three times before <laughs> yeah. we've actually got a win. That was and, really And fun, sometimes though. that's because we're about to win, and someone gets an insanity card and then sacrifices their friend to a goat. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes happens. It you know, yeah, anything yeah. can happen in this game. It appeased the goat. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I was just thinking, if you worked it out uh, that you had with all these different scenarios, mm. you divide the amount of plays. Say you can play each one four times. We've played some more than that and still enjoyed it. You, so say four plays, and you divide that by uh, like a, the hundred and forty pounds it would cost you to get the game plus its all of its expansions. Okay. Um, now that works out to five pounds eighty-three per game. Now for an evening's entertainment, five pound eighty-three is nothing, isn't it? I mean, you think yeah. about how much it costs you to rent to rent a DVD. If people still do that, if you go to the cinema for an evening, you um, go out for two pints, and it's going to cost you more than that. You get changed for a nickel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you're yeah. talking about renting DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so it's a bygone age, isn't it? When <laughs> yeah. um, if you wanted to um, sell the game, the resale value after you've played it that much again just takes down that cost to nearly nothing. Right. So I really I worked it out at one point that if you uh, sold it for cheap resale, not what you probably could sell it for, that by the time you factored those costs into account, you're probably paying uh, two pounds per evening entertainment. Mm. for each of those plays and the actual amount of content that's added from the various expansions now I worked out the uh, first expansion if you got that which was £36 at the time um, it actually you end up with the two expansions they cost around about as much as the game itself but it gives you triple the amount of investigators right uh, yeah uh, so that you've got more choice. It adds 33 monsters overall over the two expansions. Because the the app does sometimes randomise them a bit. Yeah, it? so it'll draw on monsters from different expansions. It adds 33 monsters, and mm -hmm. the base game came with 24. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're getting more bang for your buck with the monsters. It adds 32 tiles to the game, where the base came with 24. Um, places as well because yeah. it does mix them up as well doesn't it because we played the same scenario a couple of times and got different places that's right and mm. then there was the beyond the threshold expansion which came with two investigators uh, a new monster type which had four figures the cards and tokens for them and two scenarios and i do think that if you actually break down and look at the figures what you're getting for your money is very good value here mm -hmm. um it just when people look at it and they think oh well i want to get the game and I want to get all the expansions and you look at that figure which is between right. 140 to 150 pounds yeah it does seem like well that's off-putting amount of money to spend on one game yeah but it does just give you so much more content and I think it is good value for money when you break it down but it's like just that. so much more fun isn't it I mean if you spent mm. that amount of money on a few other games it still wouldn't be as fun no. as as that 
But I mean, now you've proved it with science anyway. I've proved that it with science. That people should get this game. <laughs> yeah, and as far as fun per pound, which is an expression that I'm hoping mm. is going to is going to take off. I was thinking off. of monsters per pound, just when you were talking oh, yeah. about how many monsters, monsters you got in pound it. Monsters per pound and fun per pound. So on the <laughs> yeah. MFP and FFP yeah. scales, this mm. is right up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've spent more money on other games that I haven't enjoyed half as much. Yeah. I, I I I will say this because I, I know that some people are not going to like the fact there's an app in it. Some people are not going to like the horror element of it. But personally, I love this game. This this game mm. ticks up just about every box for me. If you don't like the app or the horror, then this probably isn't the game for you. But... No, because that app. <laughs> how much would you say revolves around the app? Forty percent oh, of the game. Fifty yeah. percent. I mean, you couldn't play it without the app. No, no, but no. But not everything is done with the app because you've still got all your figures, uh, your cards, your dice that you're rolling. It feels like the app is another player, really. Yeah. Like you were saying, like the app just plays the role that a GM would would play. Um, and it just means that it just frees up all your friends yeah. to be part of the game. And also, n- if something really terrible happens because of the app, mm. like it, it suddenly, it's like you're dealing with a load of monsters and then mm. it spawns like a twice as hard monster which sometimes happens um basically you'll just kind of go oh no it's mm. not like you're angry with a person yeah it's like though <laughs> somebody's being mean it's um it's just the app doing what the scenario says yeah like within a few um it's got a few different ways that it can like uh randomize it a bit but mm. basically it's just doing what it will do remember when there was the riot in innsmouth going around <laughs> And that was crazy. It would just kind of turn up, and it. The first time we played it, they just seemed to be turning up and then disappearing from random places. But that's because we hadn't built all the map, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but when we the next time we played it, we built the map and we found out they were actually just circling mm. the whole of the town. And yeah, that was creepy. And when we realised that, then we could keep ahead of them, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, it's still difficult. And you made a good comment last time we played this that. Basically, to get away from a monster so that you're not you're not even taking horror damage mm. from it, you need to use two both your actions as running. Mm. So basically, that's you need to just flat out run away from the monster, <laughs> yeah. don't you, in a panic? Which is again thematic, very to, thema- the, thematic. to the source yeah. material. Yeah. So if you're going to stop and do something to try and defeat it, then you're going to take damage mm. to your sanity, <laughs> which yeah. And I was just I just remembered it was because I was saying about games that I've played that were PC games from years ago. Mm-hmm. Sid Meier's Civilization. That's what I was thinking of. Right. The original uh, Civilization. It that came out in 1991, and I used to play that loads when I was a, a young lad. Yeah. I still uh, get it out 26 years later, mm. every now and then, just for nostalgia reasons, because I still enjoy that game. Yeah. Well, um, I like. And that's through a simulator so there's no reason why I couldn't be playing this 26 years down the line I just found a little big planet on the um, app store on mm. the, the google play store I mean when I first I played that on a windows 95 computer but it was too old for that <laughs> I had to like boot the computer up in DOS to be able to play it because yeah. I, I loved little big adventure 2 which was windows mm. 95 little big adventure 1 was only on DOS and it was quite difficult to get it to run but now you can just get it for your tablet and mm. it's like, I don't think any app or game is going to go away completely. No. It's just so easy for somebody just to do a simulator mm. and just kind of bring it out again. And I think the the producers of this are going to want to keep it. Well, Lovecraft has always been a big moneymaker for Fantasy Flight games. Yeah. Um, it's something with a, a big following. 
as as an IP and as a game. Yeah. And they do love to keep pushing out things uh, expansions for IPs. The beauty of this is that because of the app, you could have an expansion that is just a few extra scenarios for a, you know a few pounds. Yeah. As opposed to making an expansion in a traditional way with more tiles, more figures, etc. Uh, and putting it out for like twenty to thirty pounds with this, they, it, and it's in their interest, isn't it, to keep those new stories coming out so people will still go out and buy those. And if it means every now and then going out and getting a big expansion with new tiles and everything, that's no big deal. If you're getting the the stories continuing to come out. Mm-hmm. Now, just one final note: uh, another big app-driven game from Fantasy Flight Games is Descent Road to Le- ah. with the Road to Legend app. Yes. Uh, and Imperial Assault is meant to be coming out with an app from yeah. Imp- Fantasy Flight Games uh, this Currently, year. we use a guy instead of an app. <laughs> yeah, we need to replace the guy because I'm the guy. Yeah. And the guy wants to be on the on the map playing. So, Although you did kill us with that ATST last time. I so. did enjoy using the ATST again. <laughs> but what would you say, comparison-wise, app for app, Mansions of Madness uh, with its app versus Descent in its app, which was the more absorbing and the more fun and well, the less maybe intrusive. Well, the Descent app screwed up, so... That <laughs> it is, is a, a big, lot more buggy. That's a big point against it. Although, so what we did was, the second time we played Descent, it had it just jammed up on us. Mm. We had to start again. But you just kind of dashed through just on the app, yeah, the intro the story. But the, the only problem with that is when we got to the town later on, the first time we did some shopping mm. after our quest. That was really fun because we were using gold that we had found ourselves, traded in a few of our weapons and items yeah. and bought new stuff. So what we did this time, um, kind of as compensation for the app screwing us over, we um, kept our original We gear. kept our cards, yeah, yeah and kept Whereas... the gold because the stuff wasn't available mm. in the shop. Otherwise, you could have just made the tra- same transactions yeah. we made last time. But it's randomised yeah. what will be available in the shops, and the same stuff wasn't available, so we just we just kind of made do with what we had. But the thing there that we're getting from that is how buggy the Road to Legend mm. app is. Whereas that with this, my first we've never, yeah, we've never had a problem with, with that, no. have we? But then it doesn't have to carry over, does it? No, it's just so, what per adventure. Yeah, we don't have to save. Mm. So we, we are starting again every time. So... Um, I really liked the Descent app when mm. it was working um, because we would face the monsters mm. and be thinking that we had a really bad fight on our hands and we thought we were going to die. <laughs> and then the monsters vanished. Mm. They they kind of they ran away. And that's just a nice kind of story element like you would get on a TV programme or something yeah. like that because sometimes you do think that the heroes are all about to die, but then something happens that yeah. makes the monsters go. And it's just nice to not have to just kind of plough through and defeat mm. the monsters, and that's the only way to get rid of them. Story things will happen in the yeah. app. And both the adventures we did on the Descent app were quite heavy on the story mm. rather than it just controlling monsters a little bit more than the Mansions of Madness app. Because... Mm. Manchester of Madness basically it more reacts to what we do doesn't mm. it um, and when something random is going to happen it would be in the mythos phase mm. whereas the Descent app it felt a little bit more like 
uh, things could completely uh, come out of left field and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think I like them both. I would say, to me, the Descent app seems a little bit more... Um, a little bit more intrusive, like mm. you were saying, but I don't mind that yeah. because it's the three of us experiencing an adventure mm. and it's just nice to not know what's going to happen. Manchester Man- Madness app seems less buggy, but then, like I say, it's just having to do the one thing. Descent would be amazing if it if it just solved some of the problems. Yeah. It really needs a lot of technical support because yeah. you want to... I mean, for us, we've only done one adventure. But imagine if we'd done like nine adventures and uh, then it would have been up. pretty galling, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, with this, obviously, it doesn't need to do that. It just needs to take you through each adventure. It does, yeah. As it does. The one thing I would say that I prefer about the Descent app as opposed to this app is that the Descent app will uh, get, tell you right at the start, set aside these various tiles. Oh, yeah. You still only start with the one tile but it'll, uh, or the one room that you've had to create from the tiles. But it will tell you set set aside these tiles, so you haven't then got to spend ages trying to dig out the right mm. tiles. This doesn't do that. But I, on the other hand, like the fact that I don't know what rooms we're likely to see from the start. Yeah. Um, it just means that it's a little bit slower to build the map mm. with this than it is with Descent. Um, but as I say, with this, it feels like it's very much telling a story, like you say with the Descent app. But I don't know, for this, I just feel more absorbed by the app with this. We do link um, it up to the speakers, don't we? Yeah. It's got the creepy music. This, this is one of the things I mean, because you we, we Bluetooth from my iPad to the speakers, and effects that happen on this, so like a door will open, and you get like that <laughs> creaky, creepy sound mm. of the door opening, and yeah. uh, if a monster does something, you, you'll get like a sound effect coming through. And there's just constant background ambient sounds and music yeah. being streamed as well. And, and if you get some, the horror theme. It really does. And if you get like a good um, set of speakers, in fact, I did think maybe next time I'll try it on the PC because I've got better speakers that will be easier to connect to. And it just gives you such a good feel to it. Yeah. The reason that we've not done it through the PC is so that, uh, like, if it tells you to take a, um, a test or something, that the person that's got the iPad in their hands will know what you need, but you don't. Whereas yeah. if it's up on the screen in front of everybody on the PC, because uh, the screen's wall-mounted, everyone's going to be able to see what they need. And they, yeah. the, and it's kind of, it's, sometimes it's nice not to know uh, when you're rolling, a, uh, rolling whether or not you've succeeded or whether or not to spend clues to... Yeah, because most of them are two. Two is the most common number, but it can be one or it can be three, so you don't know. I mean, one of the only real well, two criticisms I've got about this game. One (gasps) is I think it should have come with more dice. Yeah, it has five dice. You got some extra dice last time. I bought two dice packs, and it was a lot better because we all had our own dice and. We didn't have to keep passing dice around the table. That's just a minor thing. We're not good with sharing. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a minor thing in the end of the day. You've got enough dice to play the game, and if you need more than five dice for something, if something's boosted you above five, we just roll and then roll again. Yeah. But it just made everything smoother having those extra dice, so I would have liked more dice with the Corsair. The other thing 
is about the miniatures and the bases. Sometimes the miniatures don't feel like they fit into the bases very well. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want to glue them in because then it takes up more space to store. The zombies are a bit sideways. Yeah, they do fall off a bit. The actual quality of the miniatures is what I would expect from a game maybe five, ten years ago. Compared to like some of the things that are being put out by the likes of Cool Mini or not. Right. The miniatures could be a lot more detailed, I think. But yeah. that would probably then push the price point higher. Mm. So I can I can live with that. They're they're very usable for what oh, they that are. That would mess up all your algorithms here. It would seriously <laughs> mess up my calculations. Mm. The other thing is that uh, the monster bases. They're these again big clunky black uh, bases, and you've got this beautiful tile art, and a lot of it is hidden once you've got the monsters out because yeah. you, they're covering up that artwork. And there's a couple of numbers that you'd need that's on the base, and it kind of could be somewhere else, couldn't it? It could yeah. be inside the app or something. Yeah those numbers and uh but as i say though these are only just like minor things overall i absolutely love this game i love what it does i love the way it draws you in mm. and I, I it's one of those games that i'll play anytime i will too um yeah because you always know it's going to be something different mm. um because although we've been like replaying some it's not like it's ever become repetitive to no. us um, and and even when we've known what, well, even when we've completed one, we've still been excited and really yeah. drawn in by it. So it really does it does tick the boxes for us, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I I always enjoy it when we play this, and it is one that. Well, if you didn't have it, I was, <laughs> the thing is, it's not like I would need to get it because I always play it with you and Heather. Yeah, and it's here, and um, but it is one of my favourites. So. Yeah, I always enjoy it when we get this game out. And also, I'm not much of a... I don't particularly play games solo, but this is a game that I would play solo mm. because it is so absorbing and I haven't got to be the, be a GM or anything like that. And can I would play it just me versus the app. Yeah, you can play it solo and wow. you could you could take one or one or two investigators and just play it on your own. That would be scarier. It would you'd, be. You'd do it at night one time with, with candles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so this is a game that... I mean, it's one to five players, but I could definitely play this solo and get excited about playing this game solo whereas generally for me i like the social element of board gaming so i like yeah. to play games with other people yeah most you yeah. know but this is one game that i think you know if i had like an evening to myself i could get this out of play and really enjoy it and be yeah. just as excited about playing it by myself as i yeah, would with other people yeah yeah i mean i've played the firefly one solo mm. and that's got quite a good little uh, mechanic mm. where you only have like 20 moves of the ship and stuff like that but this one wouldn't really need no. anything to be different yeah. it's just it knows there's only one character and I think if I was playing this as well you know if I had the house completely to myself yeah. and I hooked it up to the, the TV or something like that and, mm. and had it the sound effects and the ambience coming through the speakers those some of those sounds would probably be genuinely creepy yeah, even though you knew it was just coming from the app just because you know, it would be a really great way to spend an evening. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do that soon. Yeah, you should do, yeah. <laughs> we should have, like, a really creepy... Well, even if there's all three of us, we should have a game of this where we make the ambience more creepy. Yeah. Because yeah, we did that with Pandemic that one time, didn't we? And that, that was... That was weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't, didn't have to have that... that polystyrene head thing that was on the table as well yeah that that drawn she, she used, used us for cosplay uh, she, for like sorting out she things. was making her wig for comic con 
and yeah. she put it on it but then we like had that on the table and some candles and had the work with the room dark <laughs> yeah that was that was just that was creepy yeah. um, but it was fun creepy that was fun creepy that was but that was just for the pandemic game but imagine if it's the mansions game all, yeah yeah that would be that would be the way to play it yeah so we've uh, talked about this for nearly 40 minutes so i don't think we even need to talk about Cthulhu realms but we do have that so we will probably do one about this because Cthulhu just keeps making us talk about him. Yes. <laughs> so this has been a Lovecraftian special mm-hmm. of the Quest Report, and I'm sure we'll be bringing you more Lovecraftian goodness in the future. We can't help it. We can't help ourselves. You know that he is here. He is. Yeah. T- he is commanding us to talk about his games. And when we got our insanity cards, it said never stop talking about <laughs> Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> so. I've been Matt the Mad. I have been Richard, and also insane. <laughs> Doesn't alliterate very well. <clears throat> Rick, Rick, I was gonna say Rick the Sick just just makes it sound it like you're real, doesn't it? It does. Sick Rick. Uh, I don't know. Not much rhymes with Richard. There's not there's not really many synonyms for insanity that rhymes with Richard. No. We'll think of some. Richard the Rapscallion. The no, it doesn't sound so good. No. It, well, yeah. We will think of some more ways. That I'm <laughs> we'll look through some of the cards and that and see if anything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then that will be my particular mental problem. So welcome to this episode of the Bard's Corner, the third one we're doing in May, and this week Heather's back with us. Yay! After her operation. So, uh, what news have we got first? Well, first up, we're gonna. Just a reminder of some of the albums that have out recently and those that we can look forward to in June. Um, Stormburst had an album out on the 26th of May, uh, Raised to Rock. Empire had another one of their re-release series we've spoke about previously. Mm. Uh, that This time it was Trading Souls. Uh, Licht Gestalt had an album out, uh, Tempest Fuget. Licht Gestalt. <laughs> Sorry. Licht Gestalt. Yes, I, I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm probably pronouncing it horrendously wrong. <laughs> Get angry comments. <laughs> and Jack Alstrom had his uh, album out. He's a Swedish guitarist. He's released his debut self-titled album out too. Um, you, as you know, we've spoken previously about Harem Scarum and Warrant. Band and Pla had an album out in May, as, as did Royal Hunt and Snake Charmer. We've got some more albums to look forward to in June. The one we mentioned on and spoke about on our previous Bard's Corner was John Life on Death Road, but there's also albums coming out by Primal Fear. That's a live album, Angels of Mercy, that's called, recorded in Germany. Radiation Romeos have got a self-titled debut coming out. Secret Sphere, The Ferryman, and DGM all have albums coming out, but the one we wanted to talk to, to you about today, which is coming out on the 23rd of June uh, via Pride and Joy, is... Angel Wings, The Edge of Innocence. <clears throat> now, Angel Wings was originally formed uh, in 2013 uh, as a covers band for Nightwish songs. That doesn't surprise me, actually. No, yeah. you can... the it's got an edge to it, like Nightwish. Yeah, yeah the in- influence is still there very much musically on that album. Um, again, it's female singer, but uh, unlike a lot of al- albums and bands in that genre, there's none of the growly male vocals. No, no to counterbalance the female vocal and actually uh, although I'm not really that bothered whether there's a male vocal there or not I do prefer it to not be there really yeah I prefer it when it's just the the female vocal 
but there was a few songs on there that I really liked. So the main one was Lilith, uh, which does have very much a, a Nightwish style vibe to it. Mm. Um, some really lovely vocals in that. The Fawn's another one. I thought they were more like Evanescence, to be honest, though. Um, somewhere in between. Well, I'd say Nightwish with Floor, maybe. I'd Not say tired. that for me, when I listened to it, the first thing I thought of was Edenbridge. Mm. Before I, I thought of anything else, because yeah. it's it's that sort of style of music, but um, <clears throat> with a less classical voice than someone like Tyre. Yeah, I was gonna say more powerful than op- operatic. So yeah, so it was some very good vocals on that album, and there's a couple of uh, examples on the album that really showed off the vocals was Legend of Myth uh, and Memories. Mm-hmm. But um, Memories is a more softer track, but it shows quite a. a variety of vocal range there's some beautiful arrangements of the music on there I take advantage of a vocal so you can really blast it out mm. I really do take advantage of that a lot there of are songs. some up-tempo songs on there like forbidden love mm. it's quite upbeat um the fallen was a, a very good song on there that one had a, a bit of a heavier rhythm than mm. some of the other tracks but still had uh, some quite melodic harmonies to it mm. but yeah for me Something personally uh lilith was the best song on there that had a um, some good guitar work, uh, some really lovely vocals. Overall, this was an album that I listened to quite a bit when it uh, mm. when it hit the deck yesterday. I listened to it several times, and it's one that I really enjoyed. So we gave that an eight point five on uh, Paradise Rock. I'd say that it was, along with One Desire, probably one of the two strongest debut albums I've heard this year. Yeah, um, I've listened to quite a, a number of albums from new artists uh, but this one I think had uh, probably perhaps because of there was more time went into it so they, they uh, started re- writing their own material in October um, mm. 2014 I think it was so they've had qu- there's been quite a, a bit of time and development went into the album but m- musically there's some really nice compositions on there some good guitaring the vocals are great and uh, there's a few songs that are quite catchy as well the between the uh, the beat tends to get into your head a little bit. Yeah, after me, I did like it, but um, after like the third time you had it on a loop, it did. Not that it got a bit annoying, but I think because sometimes I do find the same with Evanescence mm-hmm. that um, the vocals can sometimes be that strong, and you get a song after song where they kind of belt it out. Um, a bit domineering the sound, you mean? Yeah, I kind of like it to go up and down, or I like particular songs like that, but I don't usually like to listen to a whole album like that because mm. I just get stressed. That <laughs> 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 might just be me. But, um, and I like to sing along to it, and I don't think you or the kids would appreciate it if I tried to sing along. All <laughs> <laughs> <or> the neighbours. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I did like it, but um, I'd kind of <laughs> want to break for a bit <laughs> from those, that kind of music there was a few songs on there that i could quite see see me putting on a compilation cd yeah, for us yeah. as we uh, go on a drive kind of music, yeah. yeah um but all in all i there wasn't there wasn't a song on the album that i didn't enjoy there were mm. a couple of tracks that didn't leap out to me as much as the others that's not necessarily a bad no, thing no. um and the, i found that the more i was listening to the album the more i was actually enjoying it I think as, opposed, you... as opposed to you apparently no no i was i did enjoy it it's just it was on a lot in one day. <laughs> that might have had something to do with it. But you do, I do find with albums, you don't necessarily like the entire thing. Like, 
every single song you have to listen to it mm. again you usually have like two or three songs that are your favourites that you might mm. put into a compilation and the others you kind of listen to if it's on well, that's, that, for me I, I, I'd say I normal. could listen to this album all the way through and enjoy it every time all the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Divi Kano the, the lead singer of the band uh, is very good on the vocals mm. I say the, the composition and the arrangements it doesn't seem like it's their first album to me I say I think that they, no, they, no, so right, much yeah. went into it and it was that good that it's sort of what I would expect from an, a band on their third or fourth mm. album you know that really impressed me yeah take that into account yeah Yeah. Um, so I'd say check this out if you like Edenbridge if you like Evanescence if you like Delane um, if you like Within Temptation if you like Nightwish um, and I'd say doubly so if you enjoy the female vocals but you're not so fond as I know some people aren't of the growly male sound I was going to say from that picture that like a, it, she looks like a blonde floor Jansen <laughs> um, well she's brunette she's not blonde oh it's the light yeah, oh that just shows my mum will try yeah yeah that'll teach you <laughs> okay. I was going to say I wonder if they know each other but yeah well, um, the, I'd say the, the Nightwish sound really did have a strong um, influence on this album, and that does show in the way yeah. that the compositions are made, you know, and that's always a good thing because I like Nightwish. So, yeah, I, I oh, thoroughly recommend favorite, yeah. I thoroughly recommend this album. If you want to hear some, some of the sounds, go onto our paradiserock.co.uk website, uh, take a look at the review, you can get some uh, videos on there. Uh, this one's coming out on the 23rd mm. of June, The Edge of Innocence by Angel Wings via Pride and Joy Music. You can say even the album cover, um, we'll get a picture up on that, looks quite Nightwish-like, doesn't it? The fonts and everything. Yeah, the, the artwork, um, and it reminds me of uh, Nightwish, also of Crypteria, um, very much in that gothic vein, mm. uh, and it suits the, the band's out once, name, of yeah. course, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, once could have been designed by the same yeah. artist um, I forget the, the artist who designed this but he has done other work from what I remember when I when I look through the press release for the mm. album um, but yeah I think this is definitely one that's worth checking out yeah. Farewell Questa to find out about other productions by the Middlesome Meeples then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at middlesomemeeples.com until next time, Questa, farewell, and keep thine axe sharp. Tiny Meeple's Big Talk. Welcome to Tiny Meeple's Big Talk. And as usual, we have a massive subject to talk about. One it that is will pretty massive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it affects all of our lives. It, one could say that it dwarfs all of our previous topics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So... We thought we would go a bit more with a kind of sci-fi theme again, mm-hmm. but we didn't want to be talking about right, making a big list of things again. Mm-hmm. We wanted to talk about something a bit more real and something yeah. that does impact. Keeping our... it real today, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We want to get back to the people. That's what it's important. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's all about. So, so when you watch Star Wars, <laughs> and, uh, a new hope. Yeah, a new hope. Yeah, we're just talking about the the original Star Wars. There comes a point where the ca- most of the characters meet up, and that happened in the cantina in Mos Eisley. Yeah. And when Ben Kenobi and Luke and the droids go there to find their way to go and help Leia, 
Um, Looking for passage to Alderaan. Yeah, yeah, which they still... Looking for Leia in Alderaan places. Yeah, they still think it's there. It's tragic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the people they meet there are Han and Chewie. And they will... They're kind of going to get passage on the Millennium Falcon. But the question that you put to me the other day was, Mm -hmm. what if instead of finding the Millennium Falcon there, they found Starbuck? Yep. (laughs) So... (laughs) We are talking about Red Dwarf Star Wars today. Yeah, because um, I, I did think that it would completely change the course of, of the film. I imagine it would be quite different, yes. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, copyright would have been an issue. It would have been, yeah. A difference in the, the timing of it, because I don't think there was any Red Dwarf at that yeah. point. <laughs> but basically, those guys would be sitting there having a curry, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> So you can kind of picture it, can't you? You know, you, I can, o- yeah. o- Obi Wan and uh, Luke wandering, um, while Lister is there. Cats trying to chat up some alien. Yeah, uh, Rimmer's being obnoxious. Mm, he's arguing with the staff. Crichton's eyeing up all the Crichton's eyeing up all the dwarf, all the droids. Yeah, <laughs> the Hoover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it would have, and it would have been a very different thing. I mean, you can imagine that um, Lister would have agreed to passage for payment. Yeah, or well, supplies. I think they would have just wanted to help out, really, as well. They would have wanted some payment, but I think as yeah. soon as Lister realised that there was a princess involved, well, the cat would be straight there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, princess. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's forty-eight hours to get ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He spent no time time travelling to Alderaan, just combing his hair and yeah, yeah, just, just buying on different outfits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that would have been a, a big difference right there and then. I mean, you, you you got. I was trying to think about what were sort of some of the key elements that involved um, the Falcon and and Han and Chewie, and how that might have been a bit different. So you got the, mm. the first meeting, and Greedo turns up. Now, if yeah. Greedo had been threatening Lister. It wouldn't have been about who shot first. It would have mm. been how fast was Lister running to get away. Really. Yeah, basically. Been. Yeah, I mean they would have left a lot sooner yeah. wouldn't they? <laughs> from the Mossasi Cantina. Then jump forward to uh, Jabba turning up to uh, see Hun before he leaves, and then mm. the stormtroopers turn up shooting, and you just know that um, they'd have been trying to run away a lot faster. Maybe that Jabba would have made Lister marry his daughter like that girl did. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to save him. Yeah, it would have been quite funny, wouldn't it? Had had that happened. Um, but I also think you know, there's there's an element where probably Lister would have been trying to um, help them get aboard, and Rimmer would have been trying to take off without everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think Rimmer would have tried to be impressive at first because when he meets new people, yeah. right, it's like I'm Arnold Rimmer, space adventurer. Yeah. <laughs> So there would have been a lot of big talk in the cantina. Oh, yeah. And that would have dissolved very quickly when the Stormtroopers turned up or Jabba or Greedo, anybody. So, I think, yeah. I think Luke would probably have had to tell Crichton to stay away from uh, R2-D2. Yeah, and his lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Who attached the lightsaber to the groin of attachment. Yeah. And <laughs> That's sorry, not how it works. If, if 3PO gave Crichton a double Polaroid, uh, yeah. then, you know, there would have been serious issues. Well, I kind of would imagine in this scenario, <coughs> kind of having Crichton instead of 3PO in a way. I know we're, we're talking about the meeting up and the, at the cantina, but R2-D2 and C-3PO kind of lead them there in a way. And... 
<clears throat> I was just thinking about the fact that there's only two people on the Falcon. And to me, Han and Chewie <clears throat> are Lister and the cat. And I was, I was just kind of extrapolating this. So that would just make C-3PO Crichton, basically. I don't know, actually. If you think about it and about the annoying characteristics, surely <laughs> if C-3PO is anyone, it's going to be Rimmer. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I thought at first. Because I thought, well, Rimmer's a real C-3PO type character. But then I thought, well, you've also got Crichton. So yeah, I suppose Rimmer could be C-3PO. And He's got the annoyance, hasn't he? Although, you know, you different from the robotic androids. Whoever knows what R2-D2 is thinking. <laughs> you know, he could be thinking about hoovers and toasters all the time. You know? <laughs> so we, we say that, you know, that would have been very different with the cantina and the initial uh, getting away from the stormtroopers and getting out into space. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you think about f- fast forwarding a little to arrival at Alderaan, the TIE mm-hmm. fighter turning up to shoot at them. I bet the cat would have smelt that something was wrong with Alderaan. Because he used yeah. to be able to smell things outside Starbuck, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, the cat's sensors would have been going. Mm. Uh, although he may have been so busy, wrapped up trying to get ready to meet the princess yeah. that he might not have noticed. Yeah, maybe he wouldn't have done, actually. Yeah, he would have been like, yeah, combing his hair too much. I can't help but think that the first thing that would have happened when they arrived, and there's just asteroids, mm. all, you know, all over the place. It's brown trousers time. Brown trousers time. <laughs> yeah. Rimmer would have been shouting at Lister and blaming him for everything. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. cursing the fact that that Lister agreed to bring, you know, Obi Wan and Luke on board. Yeah, yeah, the old goit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking about the bit where the cat goes down into that hold, and there's that old cat there that old blind wise cat and um he's kind of going oh why would you care about an old man he's like i don't i'm trying to tell you about my feet <laughs> so just, imagine that kind of stuff going on with kenobi <laughs> like he's trying to say wise things about the force and that <laughs> and they're just playing the pin the pointer stick on the weather girl or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean it would have gone very downhill very fast from there wouldn't it because they, they wouldn't have had the uh weapons to try and fight back against the tie fighter no. Um, they would have just been trying to r- get away as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah. The quad cannons are quite powerful, aren't they? And like they're spinning around in those chairs. That whole scene would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think when they got arrested, um, and well, it's not when they got arrested, but when the tractor beam brought in the Falcon, had that yeah. been the Starbug, this they still wouldn't have been able to get away from that. But do you really think that um, Rimmer would have agreed to to hide out the way and not just served up? Obi-Wan and Luke on the plate. Oh yeah. I was thinking <laughs> at that point the whole the whole franchise could have been over cuz you just been, know yeah. that Rimmer would have sold everyone out to save his own skin. I think yeah, I think the main thing about this film was it it would have been shorter. <laughs> yeah. That's what I keep kept coming back into my head about all these different things that would have happened. It would have it, I mean don't get me wrong, it would have been a lot funnier. Yeah. Cuz as much as we love Han and Chewie and as much as some of those scenes, particularly I love the scene in in A New Hope where after they've rescued Princess Leia, which I'm hoping isn't going to be a spoiler to anybody. Um, but after they've rescued them and they're, they're fighting stormtroopers, now there's one point, isn't there, where Hun just goes off chasing a whole squad oh, of he's troopers running. and running away from him. And yeah. he's sort of like, they suddenly walk, running into one of their hangars, and there's like a legion of troopers. And at the next second, you see the scene of Hun desperately running away. Yeah, running away. I could you imagine know. Lister doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like set bazookas to kill stuff and mount, and then chase after him, and then find them. Yeah. Just imagine him saying, "Vader, if Vader comes near me, I'll rip his nipples yeah, off." Rip his nipples off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can imagine that. So, you know, yeah, um, talking a lot basically. The, this dialogue would have been brilliant, wouldn't yeah. it? And I just, 
I'd l- I've got this idea in my head that I would love to have seen happen of Obi-Wan just turning around to Rimmer and calling him a smeghead. <laughs> yeah, if it had that kind of dialogue. Yeah, I think that would be really good. So... I'd w- worry about their ability to have escaped the Death Star. I don't think that um, they would... I think that Liston may have wanted to try and rescue Princess Leia, but I get the feeling that him and the cat would have gone off. You know, like Luke and Han go off to save Leia. Um, but by the time they've come back, Crichton's been locked in a cupboard and Rimmer's piloted the ship, tried to pilot the ship away and crashed it or something like that because yeah. they tried to be still active. Something like that. You know. Happen. Yeah, but you think about it, <clears throat> we've still got Luke and... Obi-Wan. Mm. And they do a lot of stuff on the Death Star, don't they? they? Do. So, like, Obi-Wan uses that force distraction on mm. the stormtroopers and he shuts down the shield and stuff like that. So, they would be being competent. Yeah. It's just the question of are they competent enough to make up for the, <laughs> the dwarfers' yeah. lack of competence? I mean, is that a bit where they say we're not even a Mickey Mouse outfit? We're not yeah. even Betty Boop? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, that's the kind of thing they'd have to be. <laughs> Have to be kind of I think in a way, though, you've just answered my well, the question that I've just raised because I think you know you, you, you there you are Luke Lister and the cat have gone off to try and rescue Princess Leia. Yeah. Um. You know Obi Wan and this is presuming, of course, that Rimmer hasn't already sold them out at this point. The treacherous mm. little git. Um. <laughs> Obi Wan's gone off to try and deactivate the 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 uh, the energy reactors for the transport for the tractor beam so they can fly away. And just the fact that, you know, Luke, Lister, and the cat would probably have managed to rescue um, Leia. And yeah. Obi-Wan would probably have still been able to deactivate the tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And all that means is that Rimmer's in a position to fly away and leave everybody to die. Yeah, he would be. <laughs> I imagine Crichton would stop him from doing that. Unless Crichton was locked in a cupboard or he overrode <laughs> him like he's done on other. Yeah, other he times. sometimes does. But uh, generally, Crichton... He's not above lying to Crichton, is he? No, but Crichton does tend to stand up to Rimmer because he has to obey Hmm. Lister, Hmm. who, you know, in that universe, he's the last human, so he has to obey what a human says. So I imagine, like, the Stormtroopers might be able to boss him around. But but in in general, I think he would do what Mr. David said. Yeah. And he he would, uh, yeah, he'd stop Rimmer from turning them all in. And I imagine when they save Leia... It would be a lot like those later episodes when they've got Kachansky mm. with them, um, and like, <laughs> and Crichton getting really jealous and yeah. like hating her, um, and she keeps on taking the mayonnaise out of the fridge, and it, <laughs> making it get warm and stuff like that. <laughs> and she has a ridiculous walk and all, all the things that Crichton hates. So, do, do yeah. you think she'd be calling List, Lister a scruffy nerf herder, or do you think she'd find something even more offensive to say about him? I think with the Red Dwarf vocabulary, she'd be able to find a few more things yeah. to call him. Yeah. So basically, if it was Lister and Leia, oh, that that is some weird. Fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine Lister turning around to Luke going, you know, do you think a princess like her and a guy like me? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So... And the ending. You think about it. If Let's assume that the Dwarfer's competent, lack of competence was compensated for by Obi-Wan and Luke and Leia. And they actually got... <coughs> and the Force. And the Force. And they actually managed to get away with the Death Star plans. Mm-hmm. That final battle. Luke's in the trench. He's yeah. being pursued by Vader and his two wingmen. I was thinking about this bit as well. Yeah. Starbuck doesn't have any weapons. <laughs> well. I think the most likely outcome in that event, if they 
bother because I can imagine Lister wanting to help, and again that Does debate really? as to whether they'd come and help. D- yeah. Would the outcome of that be that they turned up and in their typically bumbling fashion, they turned up and accidentally knocked Luke into the side of a trench? <laughs> Like accidentally shoot Luke. That, that would be the kind of thing they would do. But I was just thinking, oh, does the Starbug not have any weapons? I, I kind of I think most of the time it doesn't. But I keep remembering that episode where, because this, this is the one where I was mainly thinking about it. I imagine the bit where the, the Falcon comes in and shoots Vader's ship, and uh, he says like, Let's "Blow this baby and go home." I imagined that bit. But with Starbuck, mm. but with Lister being very drunk when he did it. Because <laughs> I was thinking of that episode where he plays pool with the planets, mm. um, and to get the the amazing shot, he has to drink enough pints of lager, like to be just in the sweet spot of being the right amount of drunk to be a pool genius, <laughs> uh, and that he would have done that with Starbuck as well. Because so, he he must have blasted those planets with something, mm. and it, I seem to remember it being kind of on Starbug that did it. So right. I just imagine that kind of a I scene. I imagine Starbug without weapons. I'm probably wrong then. Yeah, well they've got they've got a few different ones when they have the dwarf, don't they? I think, and then like they end up just stuck in the same one all the time. There's there's blue midget and stuff like that as well, isn't it? Maybe there? we're both half there. Yeah. Maybe you're right. He would try and get drunk like he did in that episode, so to be able to turn up and make a shot and to get some. Dutch courage, as they say, to, <clears throat> to join the battle. Yeah. But maybe in doing so, it just turn up and crash into Luke's X-wing, <laughs> sending <laughs> yeah. Luke into the, the edges of the turret, killing Luke, mm. uh, assuring the rebel base was destroyed by the Death Star, and they'd accidentally become a hero of the Empire. Yeah, yeah, that's because you I can mean... kind of imagine that they would try and blag off that that's what they'd meant to do all along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine them like just kind of going with it once it had been it happened, and then their story carrying on, and then Luke and everybody is just a distant memory. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the one thing that we can agree on would, would is that a the film would have been funnier had that yeah. been the case, yeah. and b it would, however you look at it, it's gonna end up shorter. Yeah, definitely, and with probably with the Empire winning. Yeah, I mean, I know the whole thing about them being heroes is that they they have a lot of luck mm. and that they do kind of pull off these impossible feats a lot. But I just think there's too much to ask when you've got some smegheads messing it all <laughs> up the whole time. So yeah, maybe the the film would be there, there's so many times when they could like kill them all. So. I think one thing that we've really got to say is that as we've thought about this topic. And we've addressed this topic. And I think mm. we've perhaps brought this to a satisfying conclusion. Um, that really, we don't give enough credit to, to Han and Chewie. No. Really, um, yeah, what is Star Wars without Han and Chewie? We're going to find that next time. Yeah, because I mean, so well, we <laughs> Oh, the pain. The pain. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, but when you look at it like that, had they met anybody else, mm. uh, most likely? The chances are that film would have been completely different because it was only because of their their scoundrel look and um, their smuggler talents that that film went the way it did. That story went the way it did. Next time you watch A New Hope, just imagine that in the next booth along, yeah. Lister and the cat are eating a curry. Yeah. And then you'll just really appreciate Han and Chewie. <laughs> in fact, in fact, if someone wants to take that scene, mm. CGI the dwarfers into it and send it to us, mm. we will feature it on an upcoming episode. Yeah. Just to just to help highlight that narrative. 
Yeah, yeah. It's another thing about just being appreciative of the way the universe is, really. It could have gone so badly. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I do think that uh, that has answered the that question for people. Although just one wild card, just one final thought. Yeah. What if Ace Rimmer had turned up Ooh. at some point? If Ace Rimmer had turned up. I mean, up. that could turn the whole thing around, couldn't it, really? Mm. Um, and the Empire would have been defeated a lot quicker and he would be back for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, so you better smoke him a kipper. <laughs> Basically. That would have made, that would have been different. You see, I hadn't considered that it might be Ace Rimmer and not Arnold Rimmer yeah. that turned up. If it was someone actually competent, mm. that, again, might have been a different... Uh, a different thing. But then that's one of the main things of Red Dwarf is that Arnold Rimmer wasn't held back a year and that was just a small change yeah. in his life that led to him being Arnold instead of Ace. <laughs> and it's such a difference. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So um, basically that's a conclusion with a question mark. Yeah. So think about it because mm-hmm. we certainly will. Yeah. Let us know in the comments what you think. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on what if you've got any thoughts on how else that might have been different. I mean, it may have been different just because um, you know Obi Wan and Luke met with them and said, you know what, there's no way we're going with these guys, and they never actually got off most nicely. Yeah, maybe because <laughs> they were maybe they were the only ones competent enough. Yeah, just thought you know it's not that bad living under the Empire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just go home. If, if the Empire wants the plans that much. Let them have them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuff on Chloe in a month. So, yeah, very, very different ending to the film. Mm-hmm. A lot shorter. But as I say, let us know what you, what you think. If you uh, have any views, if this is something that you've taken time out of your lifespan to contemplate. I mean, the talk's getting bigger, isn't it? I mean, for such tiny meeples, we keep yeah. talking about such big topics i mean this is a pretty big issue mm. you know i wouldn't have been able to look my children in the eye unless i'd addressed it one day yeah that's a good yeah i feel yeah i feel a lot more fulfilled now in life generally that we've thought of that yeah so let us know what you think and we'll be back with a, another i mean it's hard to think it, that our next tiny meeples big talk is going to be this big i know we're gonna have to uh... maybe it's going to be tiny meeples little talk next time <laughs> yeah you know. we'll, we'll just be It'll just be our torsos with smoke coming out our necks. Yeah. <laughs> our thoughts were just too big. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Stay meddlesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you are, but we're the meddlesome meeples. And it's time to talk about books. A very particular set of books. So on this segment of Term Talk, Richard has a book to present to us, which is Fahrenheit 45 by Ray Bradbury. So tell yep. us something about this book, Richard. Actually, Fahrenheit 451. Number. Well, yeah. the one didn't seem important. Yeah, well, it's only well, a little one. <laughs> well, I was going to just uh, start with uh, talking about why it has got that title because mm-hmm. when I picked up this book and I'd heard of it before, I didn't know why it had this title. But um, just on the inside of it, inside cover before it actually starts, um, it tells us Fahrenheit four five one, the temperature at which book paper catches fire and burns. So, so that is why it has this title. So was when Ray Bradbury wrote that, did he have in mind the fact that this book could be burned? Um, well, it's a book that's about a worrying book burning. Sign. So yeah, um, basically, okay. yeah, I don't think he was in any fear that this book would be burned, but he, I think at the time, I mean, this was in the 50s, mm. I think he was a little bit worried about the way society might go in the future. Because uh, obviously, um, 
watching TV was becoming a thing back then, yeah. <laughs> and who knows where that would have led. As we know, so it's the burning of not been too bad. Well, it's one of those um, dystopian books, right. basically. So I'm quite glad I've been able to read this now, or get round to reading it. Um, I've already read 1984, that's the other bleak vision of the future, that one, uh, by George Orwell. The other one I want to read is um, Huxley's um, Brave New World. That's a bit more, still a dystopia, but that's about people being blissed out on Soma. I hope our listeners share my concern that uh, that you have a very bleak outlook of the future. I mean, I'm worried about all these dystopian books. No, no, no. It's... it's just, it's good to know the kind of future people foresaw back years ago and just appreciate the fact that it didn't happen like that <laughs> <laughs> and um, <coughs> yeah it's just and so this one um Fahrenheit 451 obviously mainly about the burning of books now the main character is uh, it's called Montag and he is a fireman and in this future uh, people don't really remember that firemen used to put out fires <laughs> Um, oh, so in this, the firemen are actually going around causing the fires. Yeah, yeah, they right. are. And so basically, all the houses are fireproof. I don't know how they managed to do that. That's just a, a thing. Um, part of someone this should be working on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I think all the stuff in your house would still catch fire, but you know, I don't know. Maybe they well, make everything. My fireproof. house is full <laughs> of books, CDs, and games. All of which are fairly yeah. flammable. Yeah, well, Montag would be straight around there. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, yeah, books are illegal. <clears throat> and the reason for it is um, it's considered that it would upset people, basically. Um, people like Some to Some books have... are upsetting. I mean, I, I could mm. at this point go back to my comments that I've made previously about Twilight. Yeah, yeah. So that could be burned. Like, I'd, I'd be in favour of, of burning <laughs> well, copies of Twilight. I just have to be really glad that Montag ended up finding and being interested in the books that he did, mm. and that it wasn't just a collection of Twilight. <laughs> Otherwise, it just could have reaffirmed yeah. like, his life choices at that point. So, yeah, what happens is if someone get, if they get a call that a neighbour suspects that someone might have books in their house, the fireman will go round, and if they find books, they have the hoses, but. <laughs> they're full of kerosene <laughs> and they, they spray it on the books and then just light a match and burn them all um, they have 451 <clears throat> written on their uniforms <coughs> Sorry, just no, I don't know why I'm coughing I need more beer to talk it's about it's all this sort of fire, you're imagining <clears throat> flames in your head aren't you, and the yeah, imaginary smoke happening. is making you cough <laughs> yeah. And, um, so what happens is in this book you just kind of get an idea of the kind of world they're living in it's not one of the ones that explains the situation mm. right at the start. Um, you're just seeing things basically through Montag's eyes. And you learn about his career as you go. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, it ends up being uh, very interesting, especially when he goes to talk to his wife. Mm. Because she is like the the classic uh, person in this um, in this society. So Montag is someone who's questioning it. Yeah. And he um, and his wife is pro book burning. Well, she doesn't even think about books. She um, she has these massive TVs, which mm. she just calls them walls. So three of the walls in the living room are just TVs, mm. and she sits in there talking to people all day through them. Um, so it's kind of half TV, half internet. 
Right. Um, she's pestering him to get the fourth wall turned into a TV as well. <laughs> um, I'm but... sure I've had the same conversation <laughs> with my wife, but from a different point of view. Yeah, yeah. She just wants more walls back. Yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in this room especially. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it, what the what is actually on the TV is very much reality mm. based. It's not exactly reality TV as we would understand it today. Obviously, this is years before mm. that. But it's it's more like she has these conversations with people and some of it is scripted. So she right. sometimes receives these scripts in the morning and she has like her parts that she will have to say just to kind of make up this story between her friends. That it's does a sound weird very thing. bizarre. It's bizarre and she has such a short attention span. Mm. You really feel for Montag because he's, he's just trying to talk to her about important things and she just kind of completely go off on something else and then go into the living room and start... She has it turned up really loud and stop blasting these things out. So I suppose in the 50s when this was written, mm. you would kind of worry a bit that that's what TV watching was leading to, this kind of short attention span kind of uh, situation. But if, if that's the case, where was the where did the fear of the books and the fear that perhaps it could be insulting to people, where did well, that all originate from? Yeah, um, there is a point in the book where, um, where Montag's fire chief mm. at his uh, fire station he suspects Montag of having taken some books from the last burning and hidden them and he comes around just to basically talk to him and he sits down and just explains the whole of it to Montag like he turns out to know a lot more about it than Montag does Montag just knows like the whitewash history version mm. but this guy Beatty he explains it all and um yeah, I'm not going to go into the actual details of of why it is, but basically, yeah, they do think that this kind of fiction that is in books will just upset people, and they want people to just be happy with with this kind of society that they've got and with reality. And uh, they they often say like books about people that never existed. And that's the main so problem with it. So effectively, the um, the thought is that the the government is trying to control the mm. populace uh, yeah, and yeah. provide a controlled environment for the populace yeah. and a, maybe stamping down on anything that doesn't fit into their narrative yeah there's that kind of thing yeah and just um, the way that is explained by BT is that it kind of happened organically mm. um, BT was saying that it would work even without the firemen um, firemen are there just to kind of make it look like the government's doing something but people kind of lost interest in books on their own mm. but um yeah they needed to just kind of have some kind of official stance mm. on it but yeah basically the government is kind of doing just what they want uh that's that becomes more of an issue later on in the book mm. um the aspects of the book that are very noteworthy are the amount of similes and metaphors there are in it um, it's written in a very poetic way. Um, I was quite surprised at that. And um, part of it is the fact that it is a book about books. Mm. So it's it's kind of got to be in a way. There are mm. a lot of quotes, um, some like biblical quotes and from classic literature quite a lot. Um, one of the books that Montag ends up with is the book of Ecclesiastes. 
and he ends up actually kind of memorizing that. What the, so, uh, the original the Bible book? Text yeah, well, the King James version, yeah. I think. So I think he's, I think he had a Bible, and he just kind mm. of happened to turn to Ecclesiastes and ended mm. up just kind of uh, reading through it all. So, um, yeah, and the interesting thing about this is it's the fiftieth um, anniversary copy. So it's actually got a foreword by Ray Bradbury, and he talked about when he wrote it to actually get some peace and quiet to write the book he found this um, basement of a university library mm. where there were these pay typewriters you could like put in dimes and then you like have a whole hour with the typewriter <laughs> and he just there was, it seems a bizarre concept to me uh, yeah it's it weird really isn't it yeah so while i was reading it i was also just imagining him writing it there um and the fact that it was under a library as well is that you could just keep going up the stairs and just mm. find some more books to quote. Yeah. Um, so it, that kind of helped, especially when you're writing a book about mm. other books. Um, I think that was a, a big help to that. Um, there was also an afterward as well mm-hmm. by him where he explains a little bit more about where the story came from. Um, it came from a few of his short stories that he'd written before. Some of them he'd managed to publish and some of them he hadn't. Um, there was one called The Fireman, which was a, a little bit more about just this. There's also one called The Pedestrian, and that was based off a, a true story from his mm. life where a policeman randomly stopped him while he was walking along. <laughs> um, basically, I don't think he actually got to know why the policeman had stopped him. In He asked what he was doing, and he said, I'm just walking. And then the policeman kind of got a call that he had to, to go away. Mm. There was like an emergency, and the policeman just left him at, don't do it again <laughs> and so that gave him the idea of writing a story about mm. a society where walking was illegal <laughs> so the pe- pedestrian was basically about someone getting arrested just for walking mm. um and that kind of came into it also mixed with a story about what someone would miss um on the brink of a nuclear war mm. it's like somebody that was thinking about uh, just basically listing all the things that he's going to miss once the the world ends, and just those kind of thoughts kind of went into making this book. There's a few more details of those sh- stories that I'm glad he left until the afterward right. rather than the forward because it would have blown some of the story for mm. me anyway. Um, so I think it, yeah, this this edition especially is quite good because you've got the novel in the middle, but then just mm. a bit of background either side. So. I would be interested in reading a few more of Ray Bradford's books, especially since it is so much about normal human life, human interactions, even though it is sci-fi. And the fact that he is so interested in classic literature and he does seem to want to put that love of books mm. into his own stories as well. Um, I just think it's a, a very interesting way of writing. Um, so yeah, although it's about a dystopian future and it's one that you couldn't really see happening. I mean, mm. it all seems so oh, I th- weird. I think, uh, I think actually, in my mind, I mean, obviously I've not read it, but just from what mm. you said, it's a future that I could see. I mean, we right, we yeah. see um, certain governments wanting to control the media, for example. Yeah. We see we live in a world where a number of books are banned, mm-hmm. where certain books have caused great upset in particular communities and cultures. Yeah, uh, we live in a world where people seem to be reading less and less mm. uh, with actual physical books where yeah. um, mm. a lot of people now do their writing on electronic devices they're reading on electronic devices yeah. um, 
and some of that is a convenience element isn't it obviously because yeah, if you've got is. like a hundred books on a, on a kindle or you know something on some sort of tablet mm. that you can just take with you wherever you go it's it's handy to have your book library there and also it's more environmentally friendly for people to have their books that way yeah but generally speaking more and more people seem to be moving away from reading books apart from like your big ones that come through every now and then like your your harry potters and you know things like that they just seem to take the world by storm mm-hmm. um more people want to watch tv series and tv shows and yeah. reality tv and things like that but at least it's, a, it's similar stuff to books though mm. that we get now and yeah. i know it's different but i mean we haven't got to the point where just as an example um, Montag's wife is talking about the five-minute romance that was on mm. last night, stuff like that. We haven't got to that short attention yeah. spans yet. We're quite happy to have a quite a long story mm. and one with kind of deep characters mm. and complete fiction as well. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like society does change, but it's changed in a much different way to what was yeah. foreseen oh, yeah. I mean, and I, what could possibly have happened. Obviously but... what what I'm what I'm saying about modern society in reading is is different to having brigades that go around yeah, yeah, burning definitely. all the books. Yeah. But you could see the sort of the similarities yeah, yeah. in the way that people view reading. Yeah, I, and I could see I could see uh, books being outlawed or some, yeah. something like that happening, but I couldn't see the kind of psychological change that mm. that would happen because we know human nature stays very similar even though society changes a lot mm. um the kind of things we like to do as people um do stay very similar i know you, you can you have very um strange societies around the world mm. like you know, where they there is like a stranglehold on the media and mm. things like that but um but yeah um i think people are always going to be thinking for themselves it's like like with 1984 um, I was reading a book about language, and they were talking about Newspeak. Mm. I think it, the book was by Stephen Pinker about the, the language inter- interest, <laughs> language instinct, and it was um, talking about how with Newspeak it wouldn't really stop you having thoughts about revolution and things like mm. that because you can have thoughts that you can't put into words, mm. even if Newspeak took away. Um, most of the words that we would use in daily life, we'd still have concepts like, hmm maybe we could have some more freedom from, <laughs> or something like that. I mean, you don't need the words for it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, I just I thought this was a very interesting book. Yeah. And, yeah, like I said, I'd be, I would look forward to reading a few more by Ray Bradbury and also some more um, classic sci-fi. Maybe not a dystopian one next time. Might go back to a bit more of the space uh, type story. Um, well, I'm not sure which one I'm going to read next but there's a few options yeah <laughs> okay. okay well so that's been ray bradbury fahrenheit 451 richards thoroughly enjoyed this yeah i did and uh hopefully i'll be bringing you a book on our next episode i've oh, got yeah. an idea of what it's going to be okay have you read it yet uh no but it's on the side ready for me to read okay and actually this it's a book which you'll find out is one that i was after for a very long time hmm? it's an alternate history science fiction novel Nice. So something a little bit different from my usual recommendations. But not different from... <laughs> but not that different from Richard's. Uh, Matt's going to be like me next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But this time I've been Matt, this has been Richard. Next mm-hmm. time, this will be Matt and I'll be Richard. You have to sit in this chair. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about it. Okay. <laughs> that is the sci-fi chair. <laughs> right. Yeah.
Richard approves. What about you? That was episode eight of the Medicine Meeples. We hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit of news that I think will be very pleasing to Richard. It's going to be news for Richard. It's going to be news for Heather as well. Amazing. But I think I think Richard's going to care more than Heather. What is I'm this? hopefully next time I'll bring news that I think Heather will care more about than I'm Richard. trying to decide if I'm insulted yet or not. <laughs> well, let me tell you what the news is and then decide if you're insulted. And it is this. Perrin's going to be in Perrin's this episode. Perrin's in this episode. <laughs> With a fancy oh, t-shirt. Oh, wow, really? Hello, yeah. Perrin. Uh, What's the news? The news. The good news. <laughs> it wasn't actually, um, and this will surprise you, it wasn't actually about Perrin. Wasn't it? Okay. No, it was about... The Quest Report gaming podcast mm-hmm. and the Meddlesome Meeples podcast. Right. We're now, both shows are now listed on the podcast section at Board Game Geek. Oh, that is quite good news. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. Doesn't get yeah. much more exciting than that. Yeah, not really. Right, so. There's more monsters going to come in, so we do have to say bye now. Yeah. Hope- Before Tyrion the Terrible makes a terrible appearance. <laughs> yeah. We've only just managed to banish Perrin. I now have no ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Banish him with ice cream. (laughs) The fact is, the Medicine Meeples team know that when I'm wearing the Hat of Infinity, as I am now, that it is, you know, the end is drawing near. Yeah. Yeah, the end of the podcast is nigh when you put that hat on. The end of your sanity. (laughs) (laughs) That's lost it again. The the end of Heather's (laughs) respect for me. Actually, you know what? This this the hat of infinity looks so much better on Heather. It does. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Heather tried it on a minute ago, and yeah, it suits her better than it suits Matt. It does because it's because I'm wearing yellow. Yeah, yeah. And she's got red hair. Oh, you can't use one. Nice. Aren't I a lucky man? I am a lucky. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna go now while I'm still in good books and not in total trouble. Should have ended it a long discussions. time ago. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, forget the early indiscretions. Stop living in the past, Heather. (laughs) Stay meddlesome. Yeah, you guys. Farewell, Quester, and thanks for joining us. If you wish to avoid the wrath of Greyscar and the Black, then subscribe to our show before you depart. Our fortress is located at meddlesomemeeples.com or join our banners by rendezvousing with us at facebook.com forward slash meddlesomemeeples. Instagram.com forward slash the Middlesome Meeples or follow the flight of the mountain bluebird to at Middlesome Meeples. Until next time, Questa, farewell and keep thine axe sharp.